I thought you were recording already, but anyway. No, I am now. Righty. Okay, so thank you everyone, Ruth, Pietra, Liz, for tuning into this session. So um, this is just going to be, uh, for anyone else listening, because we're going to post this to the MIE network, uh, this was basically a discussion we wanted to have about uh, how to, we want to open up a Q&A group on Mighty so that we can help answer questions from the community. But, you know, one of the big things is um, giving people answers often negates their necessity to learn. And and so we've been sort of having this conversation in the Footner community for a while about answering a question with another question. Um, and so you know, one thing we just mentioned before is that fielding questions from the community is a really important element of learning for us foot nerds um, to be able to get an idea of where people lack understanding, where are the blind spots um, in understanding health from the community, but also what assumptions are people making um, that maybe we can ask better questions to challenge. Um, so I'd love to hear everyone's take on uh, you know, just just kind of give a little bit of your personal experience on answering health questions, because I think it's a really hard thing to do. And it almost it's a very big learning experience, or at least it has been for me in a big way. Uh, so let's just go around like just for a minute or two, say why, you know, what experience do you have in answering health questions and what have you learned throughout that experience so far? So, Ruth, you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, my experience answering health questions are, are that, uh, when people come to you in a, in a, like you were saying, like, as you have answers and, um, and they have paid to get the answers, um, that, that is like a lot of responsibility. I think, um, Lori's coming on right now. Sorry about oh. that alarm. Oh, it's time a stay at home order in Ontario and uh, they like to send beeps to our phones. So weird. Oh, wow. I thought, yeah. I, I thought it was technical difficulties um, no. or, or it's your wake up, your alarm to wake up. Yeah. It's a pretty like imposing thing. If you're driving on the road and you're used to like silence, nothing goes off. Yeah. Like, that's, that doesn't seem safe. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Justin's coming in too right now. Oh, amazing. Got a, yeah, got a awesome. gang. Right. Yeah, I guess the alarm was good because it, it made sure that nobody missed anything. There you go. Um, so as so what I was saying is that it does, I, I felt a lot of responsibility when people, before I realized that maybe asking questions uh, relieves the responsibility and makes you feel like you have more energy if you ask, if you ask good questions. Um, and I realized that the reason why question, asking questions is difficult in that relationship of the knower and the seeker is that eventually the questions get to a place where the other person feels vulnerable. And that, and I, so I think like, I think sometimes it's easier to answer the question than it is yep. to get to that place where you have to hold space for somebody who is probably feeling something pretty intense. So that's what I've yeah. noticed. Yeah, that's a great point. And it, I, I think it's always easier to give superficial answers. Um, <laughs> it's like an easy way out. Um, but it's harder to put the thought energy into thinking like, what question does this person need to be asked for them to reflect on finding their own answer? And that's, I think this common thread with health is like, we tend to like to give answers based on our perspective and our experience, which is, which is great. Um, but instead of giving an answer based on that experience, maybe we should just share our experience to inspire them to find their own answer. And like, that's where 
okay, Q and A is great to field questions and engage with the community, but we don't want to find ourselves giving too many answers. Um, so yeah, thanks for that, Ruth. Pietra. Yeah. Uh, can I just, uh, somebody else go before me because I'm almost home. I'm in the car yes. driving, so yeah. I'm trying yeah. to focus. No, <laughs> no worries. Uh, Liz, you can go. Lori and Justin, thanks for tuning in. So one thing we're doing is just talking about our experience in handling questions related to health from either family or uh, clients, patients, community, whatnot, and sort of what we've learned along that journey. Because, I mean, the essence of today's call is to come to a shared understanding of how to answer questions um, without giving answers. And so we'll chat about that at the end, but we're just going around just quickly sharing our experience and what we've learned in answering questions. Um, and then we'll, we'll dive into, you know, like together come up with some sort of shared guidelines of how to uh, effectively engage with a Q and a group in mighty and maybe even help each other, have a deeper understanding of how to answer health questions because it is a, it's definitely an art and it's not an easy thing to do. Um, but I think when done correctly, it can be extremely powerful for both you and for the person uh, coming to seek help from you. Um, so Liz, you want to go for it? Yeah. Um, so I'm not a health professional by any means. So I don't, I don't deal with this all the time, but I do do weird things like walk around barefoot and like that <laughs> leads people to question my sanity sometimes. Um, yeah, I guess for me, it's it's more of I'm trying to get my body to the point where I can say like, hey, I've solved this issue because like I still haven't solved all of my body issues yet. But I do get a lot of questions, little little things I can get into, like I'll walk around with sandals and it's I think it's not cold. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, aren't your feet cold? And I'm like, no, they're actually really warm. And I'll be like, did you know that if there's more circulation in your feet, then your <laughs> your feet are warmer? I don't know. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, a prime example though like because you you discovered that through your experience and they probably didn't know that you're not telling them they should go out and do a barefoot but like you can tell them from your experience I've learned that functional feet are warm and it's like that's maybe a new piece of information for them yeah that's that's a very good point it's it's kind of hard when people seem already set in their opinions like like, oh, I couldn't wear those. They don't have support. Or like, oh, I need support. And it's hard to be like, well, like, why do you think you need support? Because like, they haven't, like, they seem very like afraid, almost like if they don't have their inserts in something will happen. And I do know somebody who has, um, who's had like plantar issues and she's had orthotics for like years and years and years. And she went for a walk without her inserts in her boots and tore her plantar fascia. And her like logic was like, oh, I shouldn't, I should have worn the inserts. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. But I feel like for me, I have to actually know that person. So like, I know her pretty well. And like, I always talk about foot stuff and like, just kind of like asking common sense questions like, okay, so if you had an issue with your wrist and the doctor said like, you'd have to be in a cast for the rest of your life, like that doesn't make sense. Right. And it's kind of the thing with your feet. So right. just kind of like getting on the other person's level I think mm -hmm. and appealing to something that they would already agree with um but yeah I tend to I tend to sometimes get questions asked of me more so then it's hard for me to get in a situation where I'm asking questions back like if I'm on the beam at the gym like flailing around and someone's like what is that I can't be like well what do you think it is why do you think that's good <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh-huh. Yeah, I uh, I just say like, you want to try it? <laughs> yeah, I do that too. And they're like, oh my gosh, like I that would hurt my feet. Blah, blah, blah. I have had some people try. Like I've gotten some people. I'm like, you have to take your shoes and socks off because I don't want you wiping it on your socks on my like <laughs> smooth beam. Um, I should carry around like a little a collective card. Like you can purchase these right here at tscshop.com. I don't know. Because sometimes I'll tell people that I'm like, are they really like remembering this? Yeah, that's right. If it's important enough to them, they'll probably remember it. And it's like, like I've almost looked at asking questions as like a game. It's like, how can I not give any answers? And sometimes I'll, you know, especially with the bean people, are like, whoa, what is that? So do you want to try it? And if they're like, oh, I can never do that. Why do you say that? <laughs> it's like they, you just get them speaking because then you find out so much about them. But that pathway of extracting information requires you to ask really good, <laughs> coherent questions. Uh, so it's like it's kind of like a game. Yeah, I I need I just need to get better at it in general. But so I'm I'm here to learn from you guys and figure out how to be sneaky like that. But yeah, <laughs> my take on it. <laughs> a lot of it is just getting reps. Is like, you know, like a lot of things we do will attract um, curiosity. Like the other day, I brought a beam to a park, and a bunch of people that walked by were like, kind of like spying over, and like, you know, some of them were like, do you want to do you want to come try this? Just take your shoes off. And so I think. The, the more outlier things you do, the more opportunities there are for conversations. Like the amount of conversations I have in airports when I'm walking around barefoot is like a lot of opportunities to, you know, and it's funny because when you get the same question asked of you uh, so many times, you, each one is an opportunity for a different experiment of like, how can I ask a different question to this person? And my favorite one to be when people are like, why aren't you wearing shoes is why are you wearing shoes? And then you find out immediately why they think they need to wear shoes. And it's just like, yeah, it's it's kind of fun. Some people get frustrated. They're like, "Fuck off! What? Tell me, give me the answer." <laughs> and what are some of the th- what are some of the things they say when you ask them why they're wearing shoes? Like, uh, a lot of them are like a blank, like have a kind of a blank look, and they just stare at you. And they're like, "Well, mm-hmm. to stop my feet from getting dirty." I'm like, "Why are your feet getting dirty? A bad thing. You can clean them anyway." It's it, there's a it depends on the person also because um you know like i i often get asked that question by women wearing high heels it's this weird pattern where it's like they're the ones who just feel okay asking me um and and so sometimes i ask why are you wearing do those feel good on your feet that's that's one i ask often and they're, they're, like, they're like they're like no but i look good yeah they're like no but they look great i'm like yeah but your feet being deformed don't look great i don't say that that's what i think um anyway let's go Lori and justin just kind of give your uh take on um fielding questions about health and and then we'll just kind of have a little discussion and i have a couple points written down that hopefully will sort of give people some ammo to use when facing questions um and hopefully we can like i said all kind of come to an agreement on how we should how we can better answer questions um and just like heuristics to keep in mind so Lori, you want to go for it Sure. Um, I, you know, nerded out and wrote down a couple of bullet points as we were talking. Um, I actually had an instance recently where I have a friend that's a physical therapist and he always hounds me with like, well, why are you doing this? Why are you doing mobility? Why do you do this? And so it was interesting that we're actually talking about this um, because like my number one thing that I always go to is like that fight or flight mode because I'm like, oh, I'm not knowledgeable enough and I don't know enough to answer these questions and um but 
one of the things that I've realized is that you don't have to be all knowing in the answer. It's mm -hmm. more so like it seems to you, to the person that's asking the question, it always seems to bring it person more personable when you're like, well, I don't know all the science behind it, but this is how I've seen it relate to me. Like I've dived into the whole nasal breathing lately for running. And it's like, no, I don't have a degree in Wim Hof and everything, but this is what I've noticed, how it's benefiting me as a runner. And like, we actually had a decent conversation. And so like making it personable, putting it out there, hey, I don't know 100%, like, you know, just acknowledging and kind of humbling yourself that you don't know everything, but you're learning. And that kind of gives you a respect and like that, you're not trying to come off as like this person that's, I know, or you, you're just not trying to come off as, as a know-it-all. And I feel like that really helps with the person that's trying to understand what you're doing. And it brings it down from attack mode to more of a conversation. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think saying, I don't know all the science or I don't have a degree, you know, I think that's more, I mean, you're just a humble person, so that's what you feel. But I don't think you actually have to say that. Like, I never, I never say, well, I don't know all the science, because to be quite frank, a lot of the science is bullshit. A lot of the science is, maybe not bullshit, but so, so specific that it becomes irrelevant in a general conversation about something. And I think one of the heuristics I wrote down is that you, if you're sharing your experience, you can never be wrong. You can like never that. be wrong with sharing mm -hmm. your, you can, they might give you something better to try or something different to try. And you may figure out a better way eventually, but by sharing your experience, you never have to be afraid of giving a wrong answer because you're not giving an answer. You're just sharing what you've learned um, and where you're coming from. And doing that does two things. One, the other person now knows your perspective. Therefore, if they have uh, a different perspective, they can share it. Um, and if they didn't, even if that perspective wasn't even in the realm of reality, they now have a new piece of information to kind of deal with, right? To, to mm -hmm. embark on their own kind of like, you know, idea ping pong with. Um, and so, yeah, I think, and, and the tone of the question in person, like online, there's obviously no, no tone, but the tone of the person coming at you with a question often gives you a really good idea of whether that person's worth engaging with or not. Um, you know, if someone like I get this sometimes where people just are asking you a leading question because they want to prove you wrong. Exactly. And if you yeah. never state a fact or if all you do is state your experience, they get frustrated because they can't say you're wrong because there's no way of being wrong. <laughs> right. Like there's no you can't ask a question and be wrong. Like what's the worst that happens? It's not a good question. That's OK. Um, so, yeah, share your story and you know, be, being the example and trying the things most people aren't willing to try gives you a lot of experience to share, right? That's a really cool thing about just, you know, like Liz said, doing the weird things that other people won't do can give you some really weird insights that it's like, shit, I never would have figured that out. <laughs> um, so thanks for sharing that, Laurie. Justin, you want to give it a go? Yeah, sure, Nick. Absolutely. And that was a great point is, uh, is sharing the experience. I find that with a lot of the people I'm working with and that I get to interact and meet with that's, you know, just kind of exposing like, Hey, I am vulnerable too. And I've experienced a lot of this loss, but it's helped me understand and uncovered a lot more that I'm helpful. I'm able to share and maybe sort of give you some perspective as well from. So I find like that 
with a lot of people has helped me bring myself down to their level, especially with a lot of the questions I'm asked. And then from there, kind of building up a little bit. So I, I certainly always try to come from like, a, with a lot of like love and respect and a lot of being very humble so that, you know, I don't come across as many of us, you know, um, hope to do is like having all the answers and, and not being like a machine. So yeah, certainly for me, it's, it's um, I'm always trying to seek and ask more questions so we can get more to the root cause of things. And I want to kind of do more detectiving with people. So opening, asking a lot more questions has helped me get further into, you know, where are the sources of these issues? And from there, like, what kind of habits can we scale back? What kind of tiny approaches can we begin or that feel accessible or feel uh, approachable to begin working outward from there? And that's um, steering things in that direction more recently has been um, very helpful. Absolutely. And it's, it's a nice approach to take uh, feeling that where like where people want to potentially lead up to or build up to feels yeah, approachable and, and able to kind of start at a level that feels interesting, but also um, not, not taking on too much. Absolutely. And that's, and that's something I noticed a lot is, is people trying to get all the answers all at once, you know, or trying to, take on too, too much at once. I'm like, Whoa, let's like, let's not overcomplicate things. Let's, let's kind of dial back and let's get in, into some, into understanding like, yeah, where, where are the sources of these issues and, and, and kind of dial it back into a little bit of time. That's going to see a lot more of a sustainable practice or development in the long term. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for that. And I think Nick, I'm I'm here. So oh yeah, totally. yeah, I, yeah. I, I just, <laughs> totally forgot. Thank you. Go for it. Oh, did you want to say something before? Or no, no. That's good. Oh, okay. after, after you're done, uh, I got. I think yeah. I got a good analogy. But when you're done, I'll yeah. mention. I'm sorry, I don't have a, uh, the video because I can't make it work on my phone. So so yeah. Good. We can hear you well. Anyway, little great person there. Um, well, I find I, I work as a massage therapist, among other things. So I, have, I, I ask my clients a lot of questions, but I, I'm still learning to ask more questions to, you know, like follow up questions. I ask them a lot of different questions, but I find that some people are, they can, I can talk to them for, for quite a while. Uh, and they are interested in the questions and they also answers and makes them think they say oh I've never thought about that before or it it makes them think a lot and it makes them partake more in what's going on some people don't have the time they've come there they they can come and they throw themselves on the massage table and like hey stop asking me questions I I don't want to talk to you just just fix me or something like that so um but I, so some some people are easier and some are are more difficult depending on which what they think they want to get and where they want to go. Some people just want to be fixed, and some people actually want to be able to fix uh, themselves. So um, I do find I have been asking myself a lot of questions. I, I, I just thought about that. I've I mean I'm also on a journey. I've been for a long time and. And I keep asking myself why this and why that's why why am I feeling this what what happened here and um, I I guess I'll be thinking about what I which questions I actually ask myself and maybe ask my 
my clients the same thing. So, but it, it's it's easier for them to be part of it all if they actually have to think a bit, not just be fed answers all the time, because the, those are the ones that actually engage and things happen uh, when when they have to think. Yeah, well. and I think you brought up a really good point where the questions we ask ourselves create a template for questions that we can ask others. Um, and that's really where a lot of this comes from, right? Like the only way you know to ask a question is often if you've already asked it of yourself. So asking questions regularly to yourself of why you do certain things, how you can unravel a habit you're trying to break, how you can create a habit you're trying to form, like those, those, that journey is literally the foundation for everything you could do to help others. And I think the problem, a big part of the problem with higher health education is that you're given all the answers. Um, therefore, you just take those answers and think that that is the truth. Um, but you've never actually had to discover the answers. You've never had to ask questions to determine whether those answers that you were given are actually valid. And so, you know, I always look at when someone comes to see me for help, I look at them as like a Rubik's cube that's all messed up and jumbled up. And really what people want is just take the stickers off and put them in the right orientation. And be like, yeah, sweet. Give me, you know, give me the answer. Um, and it's like every, if you don't cheat and take the stickers off, every question you ask is a move, is a Rubik's cube move. And sometimes you go down the wrong path and you mess things up even more. You confuse them even more. And my goal is always give a person some sort of clarity at the end of our interaction, not to get, not to make them feel like they're doing shittier than they thought or be more confused than they thought. It's like have some clarity. And like you said, Justin, a lot of people just try and do everything all at once. And all they need is for someone to say, you don't have to do all that right now. Like you just have to do this. And what is your core question of why you're not taking action with this? And so the, the series of questions you ask is like these moves for the Rubik's Cube to, to get it more clear so that they can then like, it's almost like they got stuck in the Rubik's cube. All you have to do is a couple moves, ask a couple good questions. And then they're like, all right, I'll take this cube and I'll come back when I, when I reach a wall again. Um, the goal is not for them to know what to do when they're done. It's to have a direction for further learning and hopefully more clarity. So I think one thing that's really important um, is the fact that it's okay to say you don't know. And this is like, it's liberating number one, because you don't have to pretend to know anything anymore. Um, and by just sharing your story, you also don't have to pretend to know anything because you're just giving your perspective. That's all you can give. And our goal is to have a deeper perspective on health by just experimenting and exploring deeper than anyone else. Um, and I think that's really sort of the, the spirit of a foot nerd. It's just like, do the shit not, not everyone else will be doing, um, whether they even know to do it or whether they're willing to do it so that you can come back and be like, hey, I did this, it wasn't that bad. And this is the cool stuff that I found. And then they're like, oh, interesting. And they might not do it, but maybe they will maybe you'll have blazed the trail so that they're like, all right, well, I'm not as intimidated now. So being okay saying, saying, I don't know. And then having the curiosity to try and find out, right? Like running an experiment on yourself or having a chat on Slack with the rest of the nerds. Um, I think that's a really important thing for Q and A. And then, you know, trying to leave people with some learning to do. So that can be either asking them a question that makes them kind of think deeper on something or guiding them towards a resource so that they have learning to do, right? Not giving a prescription, like health professional school, like physio is all about prescribing things. And it's so goofy because non-compliance is blamed on the patients when it's like, if they want to do it and it's the right thing to do, they shouldn't have to comply. They should actually want to do it. 
And it's like, I think that's the biggest cop out of all health professionals is blaming non-compliance on patients instead of ineffectiveness on themselves. I've done it many times. Um, and I think that, you know, with the Q and A and mighty, it's really about, you know, people who joined late, I was saying that questions we received from, from the community are extremely powerful learning moments for us. Um, because maybe they ask a question we haven't asked ourselves or explored ourselves. Um, but at minimum, we get an idea of common perspectives held by people, blind spots, um, you know, false assumptions that they've made, right? Like the assumption that you need support in footwear is a really common false assumption. And telling people they don't need support is, a, is not a good answer to that question. Asking, why do you feel you need support, right? Oh, I was told by so-and-so. And then, you know, from there, like I look at these sort of interact, these, I look at it all through play. So this is like a game. It's like, I've realized that you don't need support. Your feet don't need support. This person is vehemently convinced that they need support in order to walk like a human being. I want to find out who they found that out from so that at least I understand, like, are they appealing to authority because someone with a fancy name told them that? Um, or are, did they have an experience like, like Liz, the lady that hurt her plantar fascia when they went without support? And you maybe have to qualify that experience and say like, well, the way you thought about it, maybe there's more to it. Um, and so it's literally by just putting yourself out there and creating opportunities to answer questions, engaging with the Q&A on Mighty or with your family and friends, like find the people who you disagree with most and are the hardest to have conversations with and use that as like your cold exposure for good Q&A reps. Because literally it's, if you turn it into a game, it's all fun. The, the most frustrating, the, you know, for me, the, previously the most frustrating conversations turned into the funnest game. Cause it's like, I have nothing to lose. I'm just curious. I want to know why you feel that way. Um, and so I think that's a big game changer has been a big game changer for me. Cause I no longer need to feel like the knower. I no longer have pressure to pressure to know. I can say, I don't know. And all I have to do is share my story. And if people ask a question that I don't know, it's like, perfect. I haven't explored that yet. It's like, thank you. It's like, you know, when, when, a good Q&A interaction is a dual learning experience. It's not one person learning and one person teaching. It's two people learning. Um, so that was a lot of babble. But I think um, the, the last one I wanted, the last little note I had written down, and then we'll just go, go free flow if anyone has questions, is the power of frameworks and heuristics. Because it's like giving an, an, an answer without giving an answer, right? Um, and just giving someone... Like if you can develop a three minute pitch for the five pillars of health and why we use the five pillars of health, because really what I look at a framework as is like a blueprint for the structure of something with no finished details. So we can all have a blueprint for the same house and end up with radically different houses, right? The skeleton is the same. It gives us some common ground to compare notes on, gives us some structure to work with. Um, but, you know, what doors we choose to put on, what doorknobs, what mirrors, what colors, all that kind of stuff, totally different. And it should be because we're all different humans. So the five pillars of health, I think is a, a really great framework because when I talk to someone about the five pillars of health, I then pivot to what pillar do you think needs the most love right now? Cause that's all we're gonna focus on. And then, so we've eliminated 80% of what was going through their brain. Now they only got 20% to deal with. And then within that we say like, okay, well, what's, thing, what's one thing you think you can do to improve um, that pillar? And if they don't, you know, if they don't have anything to say, 
then maybe they just have no idea what options they have in terms of behaviors. That's when you can suggest things based on your experience, but you're not saying you should do this, you should do that. It's like, these are things that I've tried. Do any of these seem like they fit with your life? And so you're letting the person, you're kind of like guiding the person through a maze without telling them the path of how to get through the maze. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, frameworks, very powerful, heuristics, general things like eat real food, focus on eating real food. And then they're going to say, well, I don't know what that means. Like, All right. Well, I can tell you what I've learned about real food and how to distinguish it from food products and, you know, arming them with tools to engage with their own learning pathway um, is like super fun because then they come back if they actually do it. And guess what? If they don't do things, if they don't do the stuff, that's fine. You gave them what you needed to, what you could to kind of have a better, have better direction. But at the end of the day, your job is not to do it for them. And maybe that wasn't the right time for them to actually engage with it. But everyone that asks you a question has a reason for asking that question. This is another thing I've learned. Most of the time, the reason they say they're asking the question is not the actual reason. So I used to do this with my physio patients all the time. Why are you coming to see me today? Oh, my, you know, my shoulder hurts. Okay, well, why did your shoulder, is the shoulder pain the only reason you're coming in here? And you just kind of like ask them. And sometimes I ask the same question multiple ways and then they answer differently. And it's like, what? You just changed your answer from a second ago. Okay, this tells me something. Um, and, you know, and half the time they're like, well, I'm really frustrated because I can't sleep. It's like, all right, let's talk about sleep now. Because that's, you think they associated their shoulder pain with why they can't sleep. But maybe they're doing a bunch of other shit that's stopping them from sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, sometimes just like really go down that question tree if someone's willing to play and you can sometimes go to the deeper layer that they didn't even know was there. Um, but we're forced to kind of recognize by you asking good questions. So cool. I have a question for you, yeah. Nick. Yeah. So sometimes, um, you know how, like you're saying, you can say like, well, uh, this is from my experience, which mm-hmm. I use, but let's say that you can kind of tell that a person is going down a path that you don't have experience with, but like, you know, a lot of nerds who have. So how do you feel about like saying, well, from my experience, this is where, this is where my experience stops. But I know a whole bunch of nerds who like love getting in ice, freezing ice cold lakes. Now I'm not there yet. That might be something you're ready to check out, you know? And then like, how do you feel about sharing experience in that realm? Like, like that? Yeah. I mean, in that case, I would say, well, you know, if you haven't dove into cold, um, you know, maybe trying to have conversations with nerds who have to know step one, right? Like Mm -hmm. turn the shower to cold for 30 seconds. Some other nerds have said that that's a great first step. Why don't you try that? And if you want more info and you want to really get into it, maybe I can connect you with the nerd. Mm -hmm. But I think knowing, you know, knowing if you haven't engaged with a certain like topic or a certain thing. Um, and it's a, it's a bigger thing that most people will know about to some extent than maybe engage, trying it yourself mm-hmm. or speaking with someone who's really deep into it and being like, how do I first start doing this? You know, like really being, and, and who knows if someone says, well, what do you think about cold exposure? If you didn't know anything about it, I would be like, well, I don't know anything about that, but I'm going to learn about it. Cause that sounds fun. So you're really, you're really advocating for not sharing anything that is that you haven't tried yourself. Because how do you, how, yeah. I guess I'm going to have to go to Sweden and dive in a cold lake. <laughs> hey, you sent me a video of you diving into a cold pool one time. Like you've done, you've done some of that. You don't have to do like a one hour long Wim Hof breathing session to, you know, to know okay. that. Cold I, wish 
Yeah, no, I like the clarification, though, that you're talking about, because um, I think that's important, right? Like, really, you're, I mean, like, you're kind of honing in on really doing experiments right down to like a 30 second cold shower. Like, if you're going to be engaging Mm -hmm. with other people, like, do the very one tiny little thing that would give you an experience of the question that you might be answering. Yeah, and even better, if you haven't experienced that, do it with them. Be like, well, I've never taken a cold shower before, but, you know, I'll do it, you do it. And I don't know. We'll a week, we'll I don't prepare. know about that. Taking a cold <laughs> not, shower. Not with <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can if you want. Uh, but <laughs> independently do it and sort of like, because I think there's, you know, the cold one is a good example because unless you know what it feels like to put yourself under cold water and how easy it is to freak out and stop breathing, it's really hard to give any uh, constructive guidance to someone because they're just gonna be like, well, that sucked a lot. Why did Ruth tell me to do that? But if you're like, yeah, the first time I did it, I freaked out, I stopped breathing. But then when I got control of my breath, it felt okay. That little nugget can, can be enough so that someone, when they do freak out, they're like, okay, this is normal. Ruth said this was probably gonna happen, so it's okay. Um, so, and, and here's another thing to share your experience. You have to be deeply mindful of your experience because the, the more details you share about something, um, the more nuances you share, the, the more often, the more meaningful it becomes to that, the more memorable it becomes to that person. So if you just kind of like hop in a cold shower, you're like, yeah, I did it once. It, it was shitty. I didn't do it anymore. It's like, that's not going to be that useful. But if you really pay attention when you're doing it to how you feel, to your breath, to what it did after, and you explain that stuff, you're creating like this bigger cloud of information that maybe digs down deeper um, for that person and maybe carries more meaning. So the more mindful you are during your experiences and during your own experiments, I think the better you can articulate that to other people and the more meaning it carries. Um, Hey, Pietra, finally see (laughs) you. I connected yeah, to good, the computer instead. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was a good question though, Ruth, because like, I mean, we all won't have experience in all things, um, mm-hmm. but the more curious we are to experiment, the bigger repertoire we have to kind of share from. Mm-hmm. Sure. I was just going to say one other thing um, that I thought of when we were talking, initially talking about this is that like as foot nerds, um, our mission is to lead by example and then inspire other people to reclaim responsibility for their own well-being. And it seems like there's no other way to do that without asking. I mean, like you have to have your main goal to be asking questions because the minute that we give the answer, we've taken responsibility for that person's experience, Mm. right? So Mm, I was just thinking how this is like, this is actually our most important foundation in a training program is to b- learn the art of asking good questions. It seems like that almost differentiates what we're doing as foot nerds. If our, you know, manifesto is to, is to do what we say we're going to do, which is like inspire other people to take their own responsibility. Then mm. this was, then yeah. this is the foundation of what we're doing. So I think that's cool. And it's, it's hard. I mean, when you go to higher health, higher education and so-called health, let's call it higher education and symptom management, because that's really what it is. Um, you're programmed into giving answers. You're programmed into thinking of yourself as the person who gives the answers. And so, uh, you know, from my experience, those people who have done those programs, um, one of the hardest parts is unlearning being the answer giver. 
because you paid a lot of money to, to be that person. You identify as that person. You've acted as that person. Um, and so it's really it's hard to, and that's why like when I used to treat, I remember I used to, some of the other physios would treat doctors um, and they're just like, I can't work with this person. Like they're literally coming in and they don't even want to do what I'm asking them to do. And I would just get them to come see me for a last visit before they were like, you know, fired from the clinic because they just weren't doing, weren't doing anything to take responsibility for their health. And those people think that they know all the things and they're just like checking the box of, I went to see a physio off. And so, but when you ask that person really good questions, um, they open up quite a bit and, you know, like, it's just funny how, like, even Laura, you were mentioning that when a physio was asking you questions, it's almost like fight or flight. It's like, oh, I'm under the gun now. I better give good answers. This person knows more than me. By the way, if you know any doctors or physios, you probably know, you definitely know more about health than them. If, if you're, if we're talking about the average health professional, um, they know really well how to quote research and, you know, this is uh, as a whole, from my experience, not everyone, but just know that you know more about health by engaging with that process personally than most health professionals know. So just knowing that puts you on, on a ground where I have a lot to contribute um, instead of just feeling like you have to defend yourself. Um, so, yeah. And I mean, one thing I, one thing that I found myself doing is when people quote research, I ask, what um what tells you that that research is valid in this topic like what how how much can you really take from that um you know like how is this i always ask people how is the study done and if they can't answer that then they have no right quoting any results from a study they don't even know how it was done and you'd be shocked at how many people actually don't uh, actually read the study they read the they read the headline usually um if they go one step further they read the results and the conclusion and if they go one step further, which almost no one seems to go, they actually read the methodology and the entire research premise. And if you do that and you look at how little applicability that that little snippet of the puzzle has to this conversation we're having, um, then it really helps to put things into context for people where this research paper means actually very little in the conversation we're having right now, yet you're using it as the be all and end all to prove a point that you're claiming to know. And, um, and just always be curious and not defensive, um, I think is such a big thing. Because it's like human instinct to be defensive, of be like, you know, if you disidentify from any ideas, you, you have very little to be, to be defensive about. Um, but it's really hard to, like, you got to catch yourself. And that's, a, that's part of the exercise of getting good with reps with questions and answers is coming into it with a curiosity of trying to understand the other person and not trying to, I mean, all nerds seem to be pretty super chill people but you're going to encounter a lot of people who want to prove you wrong and it's important not to engage with that battle and just go in with curiosity and ask them good questions um yeah the more money someone spent on the degree the harder the, the funner the game is like literally <laughs> so yeah i think with with mighty if you want to go in and answer questions or even with tfc apps Although we're probably just going to shift the Q&A element over to Mighty because it seems to be a, a, a more welcoming um, platform. It's when you're asked a question, one thing you can let people know is what not to do. Like you can't really tell people what to do, but you can say with, certain, with a pretty good degree of certainty things that we shouldn't be doing. Like you shouldn't be wearing pointy, rigid, stiff shoes. Like we can, we can probably say with a high degree of certainty that that is the truth. 
um, you can't tell people what shoes they, they should wear, but you can tell them what shoes not to wear. So you can say things that we should aim to not do. Um, but if you're answering a question, try and lead with another question, which is harder in the digital format because you're not, it's, you know, we don't want to have conversations on social media all day long. Um, and so with, with online, maybe the best thing to do is um, give a little snippet from your experience and then give them a, a resource for further inquiry. And that could be a YouTube video. That could be, um, you know, a book or an article. Uh, and the more resources you have in your kind of, you know, pool of resources, the more you have to pluck from. Um, and so you can never go wrong, wrong sharing your story. It's okay to say, I don't know. And the best way to answer a question online is to share from your experience and then give them a resource for further inquiry. And if we have, you know, if we have a big gap with a resource that we're like, you know, this person asked about this, but I have nothing to send them to, then we'll create it, right? But we have tons of stuff in Bean Tribe where it's like everything from knee pain, back pain, plantar fasciitis, how to transition to natural footwear. You know, like one of the things I did when I piloted the one-on-one -on -one virtual consults was I had a cheat sheet. I had a cheat sheet of like knee pain, and then I had a link. Uh, back pain, and then I had a link. How to run an experiment, and then I had a link. And I had like 40 links. And then at the end of a session, I would pick like three or four of them that were most relevant from our conversation and say, here's, uh, here's where you go to learn more. And that was, you know, it ended with them having a further learning process or a question to answer for themselves, not with an answer to then go and implement. Um, so I think that should always be our aim. And um, yeah, thank you all for your time today. Because, uh, you know, these are, a, I find myself talking more than I probably should and would like to. Um, so I said, I'm sorry about that, but uh, hopefully that was helpful. And does anyone have any questions about, about that? Just get reps in. That's the big thing. It's like, just answer a lot of questions with questions, turn it into a game. Um, it's kind of like the don't turn left game where like, you always have to like, okay, to go that way, I got to turn right to go that way. Where like, you kind of, you know, like if you're really trying to ask, questions and not give answers it's really really hard mm -hmm. um but i always just you know the the uh, fallback is to share your experience you can never go wrong ever and you know if anything you you might learn something if the other person shares their experience you're like ah, oh, i never thought of that i'm gonna try that see if mine's still valid and if you disidentify and disconnect from any um from like latching onto any concept and are radically open-minded being like if someone said gravity didn't exist tomorrow they could and i could experience that i'll believe it if you're like just like i'm just going to take what comes um it's always a fun game to play mm -hmm. that's the practice there right it's the mm. the practice is, it almost seems like what you're saying too is that the practice is not necessarily going to study so that you have all the answers the practice is learning how to number one ask the good questions and then practice the art of um whatever it is that you just said. <laughs> Not giving answers. <laughs> yeah, the, the, no, no, to practice the art of doing your own experiments and holding that space so that you can have an interesting interaction where it's a fun game. Otherwise, it's not fun at all. <laughs> and, the, and, and the pause, like, okay, this is, this is like a big airport insight. When I ask, why are you wearing shoes? I wait uncomfortably long periods of time for them to see because the tendency <laughs> is to just like cover that space by saying something else. And sometimes it's real weird. 
but it's okay. But you can tell, like the, in their brain, they're like, oh shit, what do I say to this? I don't know why I wear shoes. Why do I wear shoes? Why? Are... <laughs> it's like, hey, but it's good though. Um, and so sometimes you just have to give, you know, like maybe people don't have an answer to the question you ask them and that's okay. Um, but they'll so, think but, about it on their plane ride. They will think later, about it. You, know? you, will, you will be in their memory. Yeah. Yep. So. I love that Rubik's cube analogy too. That is so, yeah. so true. Yeah. I'm guilty of wanting to take the stickers off for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like me too. Po- pooling. Yeah. And I think the tendency, you know, the thing I want to get across to that is that we don't have to solve the Rubik's cube in the interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way to leave an interaction is with a partially is to help them do a partial solution to the Rubik's cube, but then take that on their own and then work to solve it and, and mess up a lot of times. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost, you don't want to stop people from making mistakes. This is another thing too. Um, all we're trying to do is usher them to a more streamlined way of, of discovering their truth. And I think one of the things is like, because this whole thing about defining health, which I'm like super obsessed with these days of, of asking people, like, how do you define health? Um, is because even if you're helping this person towards what you think is the solution to the Rubik's Cube, which is like all, all sides the same color, maybe their definition of health is not all sides the same color. So maybe that's not where you're trying to work towards. And so understanding, like, what are you, tr- what are you trying to get to? Like, why are you coming to see me? That's where I love that question. So broad in general, uh, puts it back on them to be like, why are you actually here? What do you want to get from this? And they're like, well, I just want to be healthy. What does healthy mean to you? And they don't have an answer. It's like, you can't get somewhere you don't even know where it is, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't hit the bullseye on a target you don't have. Um, and so sometimes we can help them recalibrate their target to something that's maybe a more in line with like our perspective of health. Cause we have a, probably a deeper perspective of health than most people. Um, but making sure that we're not putting our perspective onto someone else and saying, that's what you need to do. So, so I'm wondering if maybe a good follow-up for, for something like this is that we, since we've been participating that our, if we do this again, that we actually, practice like asking mm. each other questions because I'm re- I realize that uh, how now I as you're saying like the two questions that you ask me a lot that I'm like oh shit he like why do you think that Ruth and why do you say that I'm like <laughs> I always get a little caught off guard um but I realize that that we could use the practice on like digging yeah. for questions and so maybe that's where we go next with our with our discussion since with there's you know, looks like we have a, a good, this is a good conversation to have. Yeah. So, so maybe we do this in like a month or mm-hmm. even a couple months from now. Mm-hmm. And then we all bring like the mo the funnest, the funnest interaction or the most memorable situation that we have okay. in terms of when it was really hard to ask a question uh, instead of giving an answer or when we caught ourselves giving an answer. That's a really good one. Cause that's mm-hmm. a really, you know, I catch myself daily giving answers. It's just, it's just, it's just being mindful of it, right? Like once you, once it's on your radar to not give answers and to ask more questions, um, it's like a little seed planted in the base of your skull that will always be there, whether you realize it or not. Um, so just, yeah, let's do this in, I don't know, maybe a month or a couple of months. We'll see, we'll see yeah. what the, what the thing is. And we can even, you know, we could even create a Q and a channel in Slack. And then, cause sometimes when you like get a memorable experience it's like it's good to just jump on and be like hey this happened today it was great yeah. this is what i learned 
instead mm -hmm. of like trying to bottle it up six weeks later. So yeah, that's a good idea. One time after, after we had a, a, a situation like this, I, you know, how family dynamics can be pretty intense sometimes. And I asked my mom, she said something and my instinct was to get all fired up and defend myself. And I said, well, why did you, why do you say that? It was like the best thing I could have asked. I had no idea that it was going to go that well. Yeah. And those are memorable. Those make, yeah. that's like contributes to thinking of, of yeah. that in future. Cause you're like, Ooh, that, that one really felt good. Or that one, like the, the ones that sting and the ones that feel amazing are really memorable. So yeah. You'll, you'll well, and I think the one last thing I was going to say is that it required something of me that when I asked her, why do you say that? That meant that I was going to then have to listen too, hmm. instead of just spew what I wanted to say, which is spew what yeah. is what I wanted to do. <laughs> when she started to answer the question, I was like, oh shit, now I'm responsible to actually listen to her. And that was very interesting too. I was like, oh, pay attention because this is where I don't know where this is going. Yeah, you can't just be like, yeah, good job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was good. I want to point out that if you don't want to take the stickers off a Rubik's Cube, you can actually disassemble it and put it back. I know people that got super into Rubik's Cubes, like doing it super fast when you do, you take it apart and you really grease the bearings so that you can slide it really easily, like do it with one hand. So, oh my God. That's metaphorical, like break it down into the pieces and like, you'd have to actually like take the person apart, I suppose, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah, might be hard to put Humpty Dumpty back together again in real life. But. Cool. Any other questions for a wrap up? All right, let's just ask some great questions. And uh, yeah. I'll start, I'll start, I'll go into Slack right now and I'll create, I'll create. I think that's where the question's on my mind. Um, I'll create the uh, question Q&A <laughs> Q channel, and then we can sort of share in there. And, uh, you know, if we if there's a need to, then we'll have another one of these discussions. And, uh, cool. yeah, we can, you know, I think all of these are just learning, you know, ways to learn and share of how to, how to if we could be the best tribe of question askers, then, like, we're doing something right. Um, yeah. because one thing I realized is like asking questions is an indirect admission of not knowing. And that's very powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, cause a lot of people that are extremely confident that they know and are really just only know what they know. And by not knowing, they think they know all there is to know because they don't know how much there is to know. Um, so cool. Thanks all for right. the time, everyone. Thanks Ruth for yeah. organizing this. Thank you. Thank and, uh, you. We'll Looking forward to Talking on Slack. Bye, y'all. Bye. 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 Bye.